0: book two chapter one part two of love among the artists by george bernard shaw this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter one part two adrian my dear art thou there what is it when thou comest bring me the little volume which lies on the piano it is red, and my handkerchief is between the pages for a mark he hesitated a moment then saying yes my darling meekly he stole back into the drawing-room undid his preparations for flight got the red book and went upstairs where he found his wife in bed placidly unconscious of his recent proceedings with the reading-lamp casting a halo on her pillow it was adrian's habit to rise promptly when the servant knocked at his door at eight o'clock every morning aurelie on the contrary was lazy and often left her husband to breakfast by himself on the morning after the concert he rose as usual and made as much noise as possible in order to wake her not succeeding he retired to his dressing room and after a great splashing and rubbing returned clad in a dressing gown aurelie a pause during which her regular breathing was audible then more loudly aurelie she replied by a murmur he added very loudly and distinctly, it is twenty minutes past eight. She moved a little and uttered a strange sound, which he did not understand, but recognized as Polish. Then she said drowsily in French, presently. At once, if you please, he said, putting his hand on her shoulder. Must I shake you? No, no, she said, rousing herself a little more. Do not shake me, I implore you. Then petulantly, I will not be shaken. I am going to get up are there any letters i have not been downstairs yet go and see you will be sure not to sleep again yes yes i shall be down almost as soon as you bring me up the letters if there are any he returned to his dressing-room finished his toilet and went downstairs there were some letters he looked at them and went back to aurlie she was fast asleep oh aurlie aurlie really it is too bad you are asleep again how you disturb me she said opening her eyes and sighing impatiently what hour is it you may well ask it is twenty-five minutes to nine is that all all come aurlie there are three letters for you two are from vienna aurlie sat up awake and excited quick she said give them to me i left them downstairs oh said aurlie disgusted adrian hurried from the room lest she should prevail upon him to bring up the letters he occupied himself with the newspaper for the next fifteen minutes at the end of which she appeared and addressed herself to her correspondence leaving him to pour out tea for himself and for her nothing was said for some time then she exclaimed with emphasis as though in contradiction of what she read but it is certain that i will go go where said adrian turning pale to vienna to prague to budapest my beloved budapest to vienna they are going to give a schumann concert in vienna they want me and they shall have me i have a specialty for the music of schumann no one in the world can play it as i can and i long to see my viennese friends it is so stupid here but orally i have my work to do i cannot go abroad at this season of the year it is not necessary i did not think of asking you to come no my mother will accompany me everywhere she likes our old mode of life you mean in short to leave me he said looking shocked my poor adrian she said leaning over to caress him wilt thou be desolate without me but fret not thyself i will return with much money and console thee music is my destiny as painting is thine we shall be parted but a little time adrian was pained but could only look wistfully at her and say you seem to enjoy the prospect of leaving me aurelie i am tired of this life i am forgotten in the world and others take my place and will you be happier in vienna than here assuredly else wherefore should i desire to go when i read in the journals of all the music in which i have no share i almost die of impatience and i sometimes when i am working alone in my studio almost die of impatience to return to your side bah that is another reason for my going it is not good for you to be so loving i fear that is too true aurlie but will it be good for you to have no one near you who loves you oh those who love me are everywhere in vienna there is a man a student six feet high with fair hair who gets a friend to make me deplorable verses which he pretends are his own heaven how he loves me at leipzig there is an old professor almost as foolish as thou my adrian ah yes i shall not want for lovers anywhere orally are you mad or cruel or simply simple that you say these things to me are you then jealous ha ha he is jealous of my fair-haired student and of my old professor but fear nothing my friend for all these men my mother is a veritable dragon they fear her more than they fear the devil in whom indeed they do not believe if i cannot trust you orally i cannot trust your mother you say well and when you do not trust me you shall never see me again i was only mocking but i must start the day after tomorrow you must come with me to victoria and see that my luggage is right i shall not know how to travel without my mother until you are in her hands i will not lose sight of you my dear treasure said adrian tenderly you will write often to me will you not oralie i cannot write you know it adrian mamma shall write to you she always has abundance to say i must practice hard and i cannot sit down and cramp my fingers with a pen i will write occasionally i am sure to want something adrian finished his breakfast in silence glancing at her now and again with a mixture of rapture and despair. "'And so,' he said, when the meal was over, "'I am to lose you, Aurelie.' "'Go, go,' she replied. "'I have much preparation to make, and you are in my way. "'You must paint hard in your studio until very late this evening.' "'I thought of giving myself a holiday "'and staying at home with you, dearest, "'as we are so soon to be separated.' "'Impossible!' cried Aurelie, alarmed. "'My God, what a proposition!' you must stay away more than ever i have to practise and to think of my dresses i must absolutely be alone adrian took up his hat dejectedly my soul my life how i tear thy heart she added fondly taking his face between her hands and kissing him he went out pained humiliated and ecstatically happy orlie was busy all the morning early in the afternoon she placed schumann's concerto in a minor on the desk of the pianoforte arranged her seat before it, and left the room. When she returned, she had changed her dress and was habited in silk. She bore her slender and upright figure more proudly before her imaginary audience than she usually ventured to do before a real one, and when she had taken her place at the instrument, she played the concerto as she was not always fortunate enough to play it in public. Before she had finished, the door was thrown open, and a servant announced, Mrs. Herbert! Aurelie started up frowning, and had but just time to regain her thoughtful expression and native distinction of manner when her mother-in-law entered, looking as imposing as a well-bred Englishwoman can, without making herself ridiculous. I fear I disturbed you, she said, advancing graciously. Not at all. I am very honoured, madam. Please to sit down. Mrs. Herbert had intended to greet her son's wife with a kiss. But orally giving her hand with dignified courtesy, was not approachable enough for that. She was not distant, but neither was she cordial. Mrs. Herbert sat down, a little impressed. Is it a long time, madam, that you are in London? I only arrived the day before yesterday, replied Mrs. Herbert in French, which, like Adrian, she spoke fluently. I am always compelled to pass the winter in Scotland because of my health. The climate of Scotland, then, is softer than that of England? Is it so?' it is perhaps not softer but it suits me better said mrs herbert looking hard at Aurelie, who was gazing pensively at the fireplace your health is i hope perfectly re-established perfectly thank you are you quite sure i have not interrupted you i heard you playing as i came in and i know how annoying a visit is when it interferes with serious employment i am very content to be entertained by you madame instead of studying solitarily you still study undoubtedly you are very fond of playing then it is my profession since i am adrian's mother said mrs herbert with some emphasis as if she thought that fact was being overlooked will you allow me to ask you a question orally bowed do you study with a view to resuming your public career at some future time surely i am going to play next week at vienna mrs herbert bent her head in surprised assent to this intelligence i thought adrian contemplated your retirement into private life she said however let me hasten to add that i think you have shown great wisdom in overruling him will he accompany you abroad it is not necessary that he should i shall travel as usual with my mother your mother is quite well i hope quite well thank you madam then there was a gap in the conversation mrs herbert felt that she was being treated as a distinguished stranger in her son's house but she was uncertain whether this was the effect of timidity or the execution of a deliberate design on aurlie's part inclining to the former opinion she resolved to make an advance my dear she said may i ask how your friends usually call you since my marriage my friends usually call me madame Cisimplica i could not call you that interposed mrs herbert smiling i could not pronounce it it is incorrect of course continued Orlie, without responding to the smile but it is customary for artists to retain after marriage the name by which they have been known i intend to do so my english acquaintances call me mrs herbert but what is your christian name orally but that is only used by my husband and my mother and by a few others who are dear to me well said mrs herbert with some impatience as it is quite impossible for me to address you as mrs herbert i must really ask you to let me call you orally whatever is customary madam said Orley, bending her head submissively you know far better than i mrs herbert watched her in silence after this wondering whether she was a knave or fool whether to attack or encourage her you enjoyed your voyage in scotland i hope said aurlie dutifully making conversation for her guest very much indeed but i grow a little tired of it and shall probably remain in london now until august when may i expect to see you at my house you are very good madame i am very sensible of your kindness but mrs herbert looked up quickly i set out immediately for vienna whence i go to Leipzig and many other cities i shall not be at my own disposal again for a long time mrs herbert reflected for a moment and then rose aurlie rose also adieu said mrs herbert suavely offering her hand adieu madame said aurlie saluting her with earnest courtesy then mrs herbert withdrew on reaching the street she hailed a hansom and drove to her son's studio in the fulham road she found him at his easel working more rapidly and less attentively than in the old days how do, you do mother he said sit down on the throne the throne was a chair elevated on a platform for the accommodation of live models we should have gone to see you but aurelie is going abroad she has not a moment to spare no adrian that is precisely what you should not have done though doubtless you might have done it it was my duty to call upon your wife first and i have accordingly just come from your house indeed said adrian eagerly and a little anxiously did you see aurelie i saw aurelie well what do you think of her i think her manners perfect and her dress and appearance above criticism and was there did you get on well together your wife is a lady adrian and i am a lady under such circumstances there is no room for unpleasantness of any kind it is quite understood though unexpressed that i shall not present myself at your house again and that your wife's engagements will prevent her from returning my visit mother are you serious quite serious adrian i have come on here to ask you whether your wife merely carries out your wishes or whether she prefers for herself not to cultivate acquaintances in your family you must have taken some imaginary offence is that the most direct and sensible answer you can think of there is no lack of sense in the supposition that oralie being a foreigner may not understand the english etiquette for the occasion you may have mistaken her even you are fallible mother i have already told you that your wife's manners are perfect if you assume that my judgment is not to be relied on there is no use in our talking to one another at all what i wish to know is this admitting for the sake of avoiding argument that i am right in my view of the matter did your wife behave as she did by your orders or of her own free will most certainly not by my orders said adrian angrily i am not in the habit of giving her orders if i were they should not be of that nature if Aurelie treated you with politeness, I do not see what more you had any right to expect. She admired you greatly when she first saw you, but I know she was hurt by your avoidance of her after our engagement became known, even when you were in the same room with her. She has not the least right to feel aggrieved on that account. It was your business to have introduced her to me as the lady you intended to marry. I did not feel encouraged to do so by what had passed between us on the subject said adrian coldly well we need not go over that again i merely wish to ask you whether you expect me to make any further concessions you have lately acquired a habit of accusing me of various shortcomings in my duty to you and i do not wish you to impute any estrangement between your wife and me to my neglect i have called on her and she did not ask me to call again i endeavoured to treat her as one of my family she politely insisted on the most distant acquaintanceship. I asked her to call on me, and she excused herself. Could I have done more? I think you might, in the first instance. Can I do more now? You can answer that yourself better than I can. I fear so, since you seem unable to give me a straightforward or civil answer. However, if you have nothing to suggest, please let it be understood in future that I was perfectly willing to receive your wife that i made the usual advances and that they came to nothing through her action not through mine very well though i do not think the point will excite much interest in the world thank you adrian i think i will go now i hope you treat your wife in a more manly and considerate way than you have begun to treat me of late she does not complain mother and i never intended to treat you inconsiderately but you sometimes attack me in a fashion which paralyzes my constant wish to conciliate you. I am sorry you have not succeeded better with Aurelie. So am I. I did not think she was long enough married to have lost the wish to please you. Perhaps, though, she thought she would please you best by holding aloof from me. You are full of unjust suspicion. The fact is just the contrary. She knows that I have a horror of estrangements in families. And she does not study very hard to please you adrian reddened and was silent and you are you still as infatuated as you were last year yes said adrian defiantly with his cheeks burning i love her more than ever i am longing to be at home with her at this moment when she goes away i shall be miserable of all the lies invented by people who never felt love the lie of marriage extinguishing love is the falsest as it is the most worldly and cynical Mrs. Herbert looked at him in surprise and doubt. "'You are an extraordinary boy,' she said. "'Why, then, do you not go with her to the continent?' "'She does not wish me to,' said Herbert shortly, averting his face and pretending to resume his work. "'Indeed,' said Mrs. Herbert, "'and you will not cross her even in that?' "'She is quite right to wish me to stay here. "'I should only be wasting time, "'and I should be out of place at a string of concerts. "'I will stay behind if I can.' if you can yes mother if i can but i believe i shall rejoin her before she is absent a week i may have been an indifferent son and i know i am a bad husband but i am the most infatuated lover in the world yet you say you are a bad husband not to her but i fall short in my duty to myself mrs herbert laughed do not let that trouble you she said time will cure you of that fault if it exists anywhere but in your imagination I never knew a man who failed in taking care of himself. Good-bye, Adrian. Good-bye, Mother. What an ass I am to speak of my feelings to her, he said to himself when she was gone. Well, well. At least if she does not understand them, she does not pretend to do so. No, she has not sympathy enough for that. She did not even ask to see my pictures. That would have hurt me once. At present I have exchanged the burden of disliking my mother for the heavier one of loving my wife. He sighed and resumed his work in spite of the fading light end of chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine